Hello and welcome to the British Sitcom History Podcast. And today we are doing part two of our look at porridge. So if you haven't listened to part one, please do go back and check that out. We've already talked in detail about Ronnie Barker and Fulton Mackay. And we're halfway through looking at the specific episode, which is series two, episode one, Just Desserts Concerning the Theft of a Tin of Pineapple Chunks. With all that in mind, if you're ready to go, let's jump straight back in to where we were last week. So, so in our scene here, yeah, Godber comes back, and Godber works in the kitchen, so he comes back dressed in his full chef's outfit with the, you know, the apron and the hat on. Mm-hmm. Before we talk about what happens in the scene, do you want to talk a little bit about? Should we talk a little bit about Richard Beckinsale? Now, obviously, we have talked about him when we did Rising Damp. Yes, we've covered Richard Beckinsale's career quite largely, so I won't, won't go into it too much. I mean, let's just, but he was known for sitcom. Um, Somewhat yeah. to his chagrin, uh, towards the end of his life, obviously he was moving and trying to get into more serious roles and unfortunately died very young before that any of that kind of came into action. But he was frustrated by playing the kind of young, naive, charming young man. And he was sort of like, well, I'm 30 now. I don't want to be playing that forever. He was best known for The Lovers mm. with Paula Wilcox, which was obviously him as a young man. And then he did Porridge and Rising Damp simultaneously, pretty much which mm-hmm. both became huge things. And then just uh, as he died, he was filming uh, a sitcom called Bloomers, which didn't really do much business. Okay. But yeah, I mean, if you've got Porridge and Rising Damp, they've stood the test of time. And The Lovers was huge at the time. It hasn't quite fallen into history in the same way. Yeah. But what a reputation. What a, what a, what a legacy for someone who died when they were 31. Excellent. Yeah. And and as we discussed, I've never heard anyone say anything negative about him. Not just that. They're, unrelentingly unrelentingly positive about him easy to extremely laid back no you know very modest and humble for someone who was constantly Mm -hmm. being told how amazing and attractive he was (laughs) and and great to work with perfect timing you know professional everything so uh, he seemed like yeah the the perfect package really yeah so let's talk about Godber then. So the character of Godber, he's, he's a sort of young, innocent, naive who's, you know, got himself into a bit of bother. And you yeah. kind of think, you know, this will probably straighten him out. You know, we'll not see him again in prison. He'll, you know, he'll, he'll get his life back on track. He's a good kid. Well, that's it. And like the, the whole point of the character is that he could easily go into prison, fall in with the wrong crowd and, and really become mm-hmm. a bad kid. But, but he's fallen in he's with Fletcher. He's fallen with Fletch. Just interestingly, Godber is known as Leonard Arthur Godber when you get his full name. Now, that means his initials are lag. Do you think that's deliberate? Ah, <laughs> yeah, no, very good. No, that, that, would be, that must be right. That must be deliberate. Um, he, yeah, he's the young, naive kid. And getting back to the reality of prison life and the, the, the writers wanted to demonstrate that, he's scared. He's, he's scared. He's in prison and he doesn't know what to expect. And, you know, it's a bit of luck that he's been put in with someone who is, first of all, not going to take advantage of him in any way, but also going to look after him a bit and show him the ropes and feel sorry mm. for him, feel empathy for him. What's really nice is that we see that over the course of three series, yeah. what is essentially yeah. a three-year relationship that he's mm. he's doing for a bit of housebreaking. You know, there's never really any doubt that he's going to be okay and he's going to get out and he'll he'll go straight. Like once we establish yeah. that character, and there's there's a couple of moments where he gets into a fight with someone and he, he's mm-hmm. really determined that he wants to be in a fight with him. And like, your parole's coming up in a week. Like, don't mess it up. Like, what are you doing? 
And so we have those little moments where he's obviously. But that's that, I mean, that episode. That episode you just alluded to there. So the yeah, Godber's masculinity has been threatened, and he wants to have this fight. And Fletcher's trying to talk him out of it. And in the end, Fletcher gets into the fight himself and gets himself beaten up to protect Godber to to avoid Godber being in the fight. Mm. Well, he doesn't actually get beaten up. He manages. But that was the plan. He manages to worm it. Well, by luck, get out of it. But yeah, he's he's going to take take one for the team, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. And and Godber as well. You know, we see here. Obviously, this is classic for any script but sitcom yeah have the new person come in and then the audience by proxy learns about this situation through them so as god learns mm. what prison life is like so as do we and uh, in the first the first episode of the full se- of the actual series is a real classic it's an amazing yes. bit of writing so much exposition and there's a very classic scene of the two of them and brian glover being you know going through the process of of, uh, yeah. of going into uh, prison being and inducted the, into the prison. medical and all that yeah what religion are you C of E, I suppose. C of E, that's no good, is it? No good being C of E. Everybody's C of E, ain't they? You get no perks with that, do you? No, you want to be a, you want to say you're a Sikh or something like that, and they let you grow your hair long. Or if you say if you was a Muslim, you see, if you was a Muslim, you could get special food sent in from outside. Don't like Chinese food. <laughs> uh, but what we see is him learning what prison life is like because Fletcher's telling him, and and obviously that means we get to understand all these little rules. You can get away with this, you can't get away with that. Don't don't mess with this. You know, I'm going to give you a squeeze of toothpaste. But I want a licorice all sort in return. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. all these very quite yeah. petty. But when you haven't got yeah. much, that's what that's what matters. And that's what we see in this scene between the two of them, where Fletcher's in a bad mood because his pineapple chunks have gone, and he knows it's not Godber. But now he's like, "Well, I'm not giving anyone anything." Yeah, trust no one. <laughs> yeah, can I borrow your shoe polish? No. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Let's go back to our scene, and uh, we've so we got Godber walks in in his chef's outfit. Oh yeah. And uh, Mackay, who's angry about the pineapple chunks, he's angry about things going missing from the kitchen. And he turns on Godber and he says, oh, very convenient that you're working in the kitchen and all this stuff's going missing. And Richard Beckinsale does a great little turn, a lovely sob story about how, you know, I'm getting my life back online. I'm a changed man. I'm serving my time. I'm on my way to becoming a decent member of society. And, and Mackay softens a little bit. Aye, good lad. And, uh, you know, takes his word for it. And then, of course, as soon as he leaves... Godber takes his hat off and there's a there's a stolen packet of butter underneath his hat. <laughs> Lovely yeah. timing. Lovely bit yeah, of physical yeah. comedy. You know, I think that that obviously goes to show like that's what Godber's learned. You can Yeah. You know, you know, you got to know when to bend the rules, where how to get away with it, what the tricks are. Uh, and, and yeah, he really lays it on thick with Mackay, doesn't mm. he? Mm. A note there on the detail that the butter is echo butter, which I remember. I remember echo butter. My mum used to get that to, to for cooking. Yeah, Not, you'd, you wouldn't spread that on your bread. Yeah, that was no, baking no, that butter. Was baking butter. <laughs> <laughs> that's helping us set up the okay. You know, Godber can steal stuff from the kitchen because that sets us up for mm-hmm. a scene later on. So coming up now, we we get a new scene. We've got Fletch in the library, which I don't think we ever see the library in other in any of the episodes. No, I don't think so. Obviously, that's where he's working. He's got himself a nice cushy job there, mm-hmm. and he's he's cataloging all the books, which yeah. has taken him five weeks because when he finishes, he has to paint the room. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we get all just in this one scene, we get that whole story that he's yeah. got a cushy job. He's he's dragging it out for as long as he can. Yeah. But what we do get in this scene is Mr. Barraclough, played by mm. Brian Wilde. And that he is 
the sort of the fourth principal character I'm going to call it in the in porridge of the mm. uh, of the two guards two inmates and again just absolutely sublime casting and just perfect in every way uh, yeah. Mr Barrowcliffe is quite weak you know he's very, he's a weak-willed person he's easily taken advantage of I, I have a problem with the character I think it's too much <laughs> I think he's too weak I think he's too naive I, I, it feels it feels too much. Right, yeah, okay, I get that. But like he, he, has like he such... reveals far too much of him. Like this scene, we opens up with him talking about the problems between him and his wife. Like the idea of a prison officer talking about their marital <laughs> problems with a prisoner, it's it's crazy. But I think that's because it's Fletch. That's because it's Fletcher, and Fletcher yeah. Is, yeah. has used his wiles to build a relationship with Mr. Barraclough, yes. or at least one that Mr. Barraclough believes in. Yeah, because he knows that's the way to get get in on with him. And, and but yeah, I know I know what you mean. Have a nice weekend, did you? Not especially. Oh, at least it kept fine for you. Did it? The sun rarely shines in my household. Oh, dear. <laughs> Want to get another window put in? <laughs> this scene between Fletcher and Barraclough just is... It, it really is, it exemplifies the writing and how... Fletcher will never say anything. He's so non-committal. Yes. Because he's yes. so used to playing the game of like and you'll see it yeah. whenever he has to deal with genial Harry Grout. Like he doesn't want to say, "Oh yeah, Harry, no problem. I'll do that for you." He he does sometimes. He doesn't want to get involved. Whatever yeah. it is, I don't want to be involved. Yeah. And this scene is great because all this bit where Mr. Barakov comes in and says, like, basically he says, "I found these pineapple chunks in your cell mm. and I've covered it up for you." Fletch yeah. at no point says, oh, yes, they were mine. I stole them. Oh, yes, they no. were in my cell. No, no. Barraclough says he found some, he found the pineapple chunks. <laughs> and Fletcher plays it completely innocent. He, like, looks at his filing cards and he's moves a couple of books about. It's a lovely bit of business. And he just sort of casually says, oh, where's that, sir? <laughs> it's so <laughs> just, beautiful. Just as if, I, I don't know what you're talking about, sir. <laughs> because that is so obviously someone desperately buying time while he's trying to think <laughs> yeah. of what he should say. Yeah. <laughs> and then he goes, but at no, point, at no point does Fletcher say, acknowledge that any of this is true or he never mm -hmm. says oh thanks mm -hmm. mate for not yeah. not doing me in he doesn't deny it but he never admits no, it no no because if he denied it then he could get called on it later the less fletcher has to say the better and there's another scene i think it is the scene where godber's going to get into a fight and barraclough comes over to him and sort of and mm. they just have this little back to, back and forth and i think it must be Warren, who's on the other side, who's just like, what was all that? And you, neither of you actually said anything. And, and Fletcher yeah. explains what was unsaid. Yeah, you have to drop that in. Yeah, That's a really yeah. good scene. What are you talking about, Mr. Barclough? Something's brewing. Oh, good. Two sugars. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Do I? Oh, good. Yes, well, I'll, uh, I'll say no more. No, I think you said enough. What was all that about? Uh, Jarvis and Gobber had a Barney in the yard. They know about it. They don't want it to go any further. If it does, it will be bad for all of us, but especially for the lad. My down, double six. Because it's and 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 then this scene as well. This one where the the sort of Fletcher's double speak. I, I guess it is like he can talk yeah. his way around anything, and it's it's his really great writing. But obviously, that's his as his, mm. as a character. That's his strength. That's how he survives. Yes. Just from an acting point of view, uh, Brian Wilde, I think Brian Wilde is amazing uh, as this character. And I, I, I know he sort of specializes in this kind of character slightly. Yeah, well, I'll, the only thing I know him from, apart from this, is Last of the Summer Wine. I don't yeah. really know him that because I've never really watched Last of the Summer Wine. What's his, what's his pedigree? Well, yeah, I mean, that, that's it, really. I mean, yeah, he was... What had he done before this? 
He's not a young man. Again, um, a bit like Mackay, you know, doing stuff certainly, but not that famous. He, he, again, he, another one. He was a bit of a more of a Middle England kind of grammar school boy, uh, okay. but he went to Rada and then became a, an actor. Just little odd appearance. He's actually in the Bar G. Um, with uh, with uh, Harry H. Corbett and Ronnie Barker, and uh, he just a very brief role as a policeman. Uh, his his main role known for before this was in the Dustbin Men. He was a principal mm. character in that, and that was early seventies. So that was his big, that was his breakthrough, I guess. That was one where that was the first thing where people go, oh, that's that guy. Yeah. And then Porridge and took over, basically taking over from Michael Bates, different character, but you know, um, yeah, in yeah. Last of the Summer Wayne. That started in 1976. So that was kind of while yeah. he was doing. And then the one other thing that was his kind of lead role was a bit like Fulton Mackay, much later on in 1988, was called Wyatt's Watchdogs. And again, just not, not a success. That I was don't know. just boom, that was done. So yeah, no, again, um, they just brought in really good actors for these roles. They weren't they weren't really famous or anything in their own right, apart from Ronnie Barker. Mm. But there's there's one I'm gonna drop this clip in. Brian Wilde's delivery of the words gammon steak Hawaii is oh, so Yes. I'm so glad you said that. <laughs> I'm so glad you said that because I thought I can't I can't even try to do that justice on the podcast. Drop it in. <laughs> Now, by the way, the, the tin of pineapple, did you manage to return it to the food store, sir? <laughs> uh, not exactly, no. <laughs> See, I, uh, well, I took it home and the wife did a gammon steak Hawaii. <laughs> Absolutely wonderful stuff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but then it also set that I mean, and that's pretty much what we get from Barrowcliffe is that one scene, and then we see him briefly for a plot, um, you know, element in the kitchen mm-hmm. scene. Uh, you yeah. know, he, we, we're halfway through the episode when he turns up. It's and and that's the that's the beauty of the writing in Porridge as well. They're not worried about giving the each character their due. It's like we're going to use yeah, them as, as necessary around yeah. Fletcher. Fletcher's our center, uh, and when mm. we work around him. It does become a little bit more structured later on, the later series, I think. Uh, but not to, in a bad way, but just I think it's really loose, that first series. You never really know yeah. what's going to happen. All right. So the, the plan. So basically what we've, what we've discovered in this, um, in this scene is that Barraclough took the chunks. So there isn't a thief. Uh, but now they realize that they've got to replace those chunks because they've got to, they've got to get them back into the kitchen. They've got to be replaced, but mm. Barrowcliffe's eaten them. And how qu- how quickly Hawaii? How quickly Fletcher manages to turn this on <laughs> Barrowcliffe? Because yeah. Barrowcliffe says, "Look, yeah. I've well, done you." Barrowcliffe loses the he loses the moral high ground immediately when he admits he's eaten the, the pineapple chunks. But but yeah, Fletcher just absolutely digs him out, <laughs> absolutely turns the tables. I've got the upper hand now again. Barrowcliffe says, "We're going to have to replace them." He goes, "What do you mean, we? <laughs> I'm not going to pop down the shops, am I?" <laughs> So that's, that yeah. sets up our, our next scene where uh, Godber has decided this is, to... This is good. This is good. Semi-farce. Yes. It's a good scene. A great scene. Yeah. Porridge never really goes down the line of physical comedy very often. There's certainly not a lot of like, oh, I've stepped in the wallpaper paste. Oh, no. <laughs> like kind of no, no, uh, I'm, I'm type of comedy. But this is probably about as physical as it gets, where it's all about the staging. And this kitchen set we see quite regularly, and we have them sort of facing mm-hmm. the front. And so it's not out of place. We, we kind of established this previously. We set up that Godber is like, okay, look, 
lukewarm cause a distraction because I'm going to steal some pineapple chunks and he's working with with Warren yeah. in, in, in conjunction. Godless plan is to steal some more pineapple chunks for Fletch to make up for the fact that he's lost his. Yeah, to make him feel better. Yeah, he wants to make him feel better. So they, they nick the pineapple chunks. The pineapple chunks are discovered missing straight away. Mm. They're busted. By? And Mackay comes along. Do you know who? who by... Uh, who, who, who's that by? Because yes, I did recognise that guy. Was is is that the guy from To the Manor Born? It is John Rudling who plays the butler. Yes. What's the name of the butler in To the Manor Born? Bra- Brannigan, Bra- Bran- Brannig, something like that, right? What is she called? Bra- Brabinger. 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 That's it. Yeah. That's that's it. It. <laughs> yeah. So this is this was the sort of role he was doing before To the Manor Born. Just the odd little like a few lines yeah. here and there. So yes, the the, the 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 physical staging here is this pineapple. The pineapple chunks are missing. Everyone's in trouble. Stand where you are. Mackay comes in. He's searching for the he's searching for the pineapple chunks. But in the meantime, Mister Barraclough has sneaked in behind everyone and put another tin of pineapple chunks in the cupboard. <laughs> so Mackay comes along, goes into the cupboard, discovers that the pineapple chunks aren't missing. Poor old Brabinger's confused. <laughs> the, the, the cons are confused because they know they've nicked these chunks. <laughs> Why, where did that come from? It's, it's, a, it's a great scene. It works really well. I don't like farce. We've established this. It's not farcical, really, no. but it, it's nicely put together. Yeah, it all works very well. And, and, so, and, and Warren's on his knees saying a prayer. It were a miracle. <laughs> yeah, and then because there, then we have the next scene where they've still got the pineapple chunks. They know they've nicked it. So what, how the hell did that come from? Yeah. So yeah, they they're convinced it's a, the miracle of Slade Prison, uh, and then yeah. we just sort of have this sort of, this uh, little tail end scene to 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 round everything off. Godber presents the pineapple chunks, but hides them so that so that Fletch will discover them, and obviously Mackay comes in and Under basically discovers them uh, himself accidentally. And after all that, Fletcher is in trouble for nicking some pineapple chunks. <laughs> but but the, the, uh, yes. That's really interesting that basically Fletcher gets his comeuppance at the end. I, I, I think it would have been a lot it would have been a lot more easy to, to just have, oh great, everything's worked out in the end. We got our pineapple chunks after all. Let's mm. share them. You know, mm-hmm. that would have been the happy ending. But no, Fletcher Fletcher gets his comeuppance. He gets he gets he gets done for nicking those chunks. <laughs> I was uh, listening to something with the writers, Dick Clement and Ian Lafrenet, and they or maybe I was reading it in their book, but they said it's nice to have a situation where your hero doesn't win all the time and you can still make that work, you can still make it mm. funny, but it gives it a bit more reality. You know, Fletch doesn't win every time or sometimes he'll win one way and not the other. There's another yeah. there's another episode in series one where at the end of the episode, he's getting thrown into a solitary confinement because he's been caught doing something, but he's made a bet with a load of people that he'd be in his own cell by the end of the week. So he's, he's <laughs> won a lot of true, yes. So, yeah. you know, it looks like he's lost and he's actually won, or it looks like he's won. And then the little kicker is that actually you've been caught mm. doing something. Or when he gets, when he manages to reveal the tunnel without actually telling anyone, but he does so mm. by dropping through the ground, you know, he ends up getting hurt by it. You know, all this yes. stuff. It's, it's, it's not as straightforward as it needs to be. You know, it's, there's just a little kicker yeah. on the end and that's fine. Yeah. That works. It's a great, it's a great punchline to the episode, and it's a really good episode. I, as I said, I said when we started here, I, I really enjoyed watching Porridge. I really, I really got a kick out of watching it from start to finish. Yeah, just really a really well written, really well performed sitcom. Mm. So before we sort of get on to what happened after Porridge, uh, let's talk about the writers. We've we've obviously been mm. bringing them up throughout, but uh, let's get into a bit more detail with them. So 
Dick Clement and Ian Lafrenet. So another another sort of double act. We've we've seen so many oh, yeah. double acts of writers throughout these the sitcoms that we've covered. Mm. I, I suppose my first question is: Did they sort of exclusively write together, or did they do things on their own? Pretty much, pretty much, they've done the odd thing on their own. But the vast majority of their careers have been working together, mm. and that mm. career that has spanned decades. Yeah, go on. Go back to the start for us. So they were both born in 1937, so they're the same age. Yeah. Ian Lafrenet is from the Northeast, which is how they've ended up doing a lot of shows with people, Geordies like in. That. Yeah, <laughs> and um, they met in London, I think in the late 50s, just as kind of like, you know, young bohemian mm. artists, performer, writers living in a, mm. not quite living in a squat, but, you know, living in you know, dirty, cheap yeah. accommodation in London back when London, you know, you could live yes. in London and be an artist. They they just sort of ran in the same circles, met each other and obviously gone. And so they started writing together. They were writing sketches. And one of the first things they wrote was a sketch about two young men who've just been on a date. And the sketch was cross-cutting between the two young men talking about the date and then the two mm-hmm. young women talking about the date and the kind of post-game okay. analysis. And presumably that was hilarity ensuing. These two young lads were called Bob and Terry, and they're from kind of uh, Newcastle. I see. This sketch was performed by one of the sketch reviews they did, and Dick Clement played Terry. So Dick Clement was the first person to play Terry uh, out of um, uh, what became The Likely Lads. And so mm-hmm. they were writing stuff together, doing these sketches. Dick Clement was a bit more of a performer as well, but Ian Lafrenet wasn't. And then... Dick Clement did a directing course. And it's actually really reminded me of when we talked about Stephen Merchant and Ricky Gervais. Yeah. They were working together, writing together, and Stephen Merchant went and did a director's course and had to put together a production, which became a pilot for The Office. Became The Office. Basically the same thing here, which I didn't know. Dick Clement, as part of this director's course, had to produce a short film. He thought, that sketch with Bob and Terry, I'm going to pad that out a bit, make that work, we'll do that. Wrote, Wrote something that was a bit bigger than that. And that essentially became the likely a pilot for the likely lads. Dennis Main Wilson saw it, liked it, and um, commissioned a series. Yeah. And then I'm not sure who this was, but they had a director attached, and he died. Um, And so they someone said, "Well, what about whoever directed the pilot? Let's just get them in." And that was Dick Clement. (laughs) Obviously, he didn't even think it was a pilot at the time. So Dick Clement actually directed the first series of the likely lads. Oh, Even though he ne- okay. wasn't really a director of any experience. Yeah, but he'd been on a course, so yeah. can it be? And uh, sort of fudged his way through it, and, and in his own words, you know, didn't know, have any idea what he was doing. And he has gone on to direct quite a, lo- quite a bit. Okay. Ian Lefrenet hasn't particularly, but, you know, a lot of the films, mm. the Porridge film, Dick Clement um, directed it. And Did they- he ever direct anything that he hadn't written? Not really, I don't think so. Maybe the odd thing. Nothing too major, but they... What I mean is he was a writer who directed sometimes. He wasn't yeah. a writer. Yeah, certainly written a lot more than they've directed. Yeah. And, they, you know, they, they went they went on to write lots... They've written loads of stuff, like lots of weirdly different stuff. So, obviously, they're best known for sitcom, Likely Lads, Whatever Happened to, uh, Porridge, and then uh, Alfreda St. Pet. Um, yeah. the big one yeah. which is probably more comedy drama than straight sitcom but you know it's not a sitcom it's definitely it's def- funny it's very funny I'll feed his own pet but it's it's definitely a comedy drama rather than a sitcom yeah but also they've written musicals they wrote a a, a musical adaptation of Billy Liar uh, for right. example most the musicals seem to be adaptations of stuff they've done documentaries right. um, they've they've written plays they, they wrote that that thing about 
Chasing Bono, I think it was called. It was Chasing Bono, Finding Bono, something oh, yeah. like that. that Finding I, Bono. Finding Bono. Yeah, yeah, that was based on the real life, you know, this journalist memoir kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. So all sorts of just weird little things. They seem to just have a, a finger in lots of pies. But during the 70s, they went to America to mm-hmm. ostensibly to create a American version of Porridge. And then ultimately they did an American version of The Likely Lads as well. And they've stayed there. They've lived in, the, I think they still live in America now. Uh, but certainly okay. they that is their main been their main base for the last several right. decades. And so they really got into the LA lifestyle and Hollywood film set. And Fair enough. they've made their own films and their own productions and stuff. But they've also done yeah. a lot of largely uncredited rewrites on some pretty major films. Um, And so they did... For example? Well, they did a rewrite on Never Say Never Again, uh, which was obviously like a a bit of a messy production. They came in like after they started filming. But Sean Connery really liked them. And then 20 years later, when he was on The Rock uh, with Nicolas Cage, on his kind of recommendation, they they were brought in to do a rewrite on that. Are you telling me that Ian Lafrenet and Dick Clement wrote that Winners Go Home prom queen right? <laughs> uh yeah that's that's very possible yeah. you're gonna have to bleep <laughs> and they wrote they did a rewrite on pearl harbor uh, which i heard them talking about specifically because obviously kate beckinsale is in that so they were you know they didn't know kate beckinsale but they knew her dad mm. and um and they yeah. knew her mother very well and so they kind of met with her and that was kind of a they would just talk about that as a quite an emotional experience. Uh, yeah, some really quite big stuff and large, like mostly uncredited because they've just been brought in to kind of punch up the dialogue or, or whatever. Sure. But then they're odd, the odd little thing where they've done themselves, like Water, uh, that I talked about earlier, that's, mm-hmm. um, that's one. And then Ian Lafrenet, without Dick Clement, was the person behind Lovejoy. Oh, uh, which right. which is ba- which they are based on books, but he created yeah. the series, wrote several episodes himself. Dick Clement wrote several episodes, but then okay. there's lots of other people writing that as well. Which I again is Lovejoy. kind of a comedy, light comedy drama. And Lovejoy, of course, starred Ian McShane, but one of the supporting characters, Dudley Sutton, who, who is, is in an episode of Porridge. Yeah, who is in a, a very notable, but only one episode yeah. of, of Porridge, but a very notable character. Yeah, the one where they, they take, well, Baraclough and some of the other members of staff hostage. Yeah. Yeah, a really good performance, that, actually. Like, that was one of those yeah, performances that jumped good. out. Like, I didn't really know Dudley Sutton from anything the else. The Desperate Hours, that's the episode, isn't it? Yeah. But mm. let's talk... Really good episode. Yeah. Let's talk about On the Rocks. On the Rocks. Yes. On the Rocks is the name of the American version of Porridge. Oh, my God. I didn't know there was an American version. There was an American version. That. So they went to America, like I said, to do this pilot... And a little bit naive as to, you know, how many pilots get made and, you know, probably won't even mm. become anything. But the, the producer they were using was the same guy who who had done Till Death Has Depart and turned that into, um, what is it called, All in the Family, the American version? All in the Family. Uh, and so, you know, he had a great success with that. And, and, and so they, this was part of that big influx of British, um, you know, British to America kind of thing. Yeah. So they did a version. It actually went to series and very unusually... Dick Clement and Ian Lafrenet wrote it. They, the two of them, wrote it all. All right, they stayed. They on didn't it. have a writers' room, which is the American system. And was it like seventy-four episodes? Twenty-two, I think. Twenty-four, like oh, one okay, series. Right. But they, I was, I was joking. But yeah, that's a full series. <laughs> yeah, and they just, you know, they got down and hashed them out. And I think they they reused some material, but there was, you know, obviously, it, I, I didn't know this existed, much less ever seen it. Is it any good? 
Does it work? Does it translate? I, I Look, I, I know nothing about American prisons other than what I've seen on telly. But, well, I don't know anything about British prisons either. But um, I, it just feels like a different dynamic. Yeah, I mean, I've only managed to find, like, brief, brief clips of, like, 30 seconds. Of, like, it doesn't seem to really exist in any format. It's the mm. only things, the clips that are, like, a trailer. You know what I mean? It was, like, used as an advert, yeah. and so that's been recorded somewhere. Mm. This really ain't such a bad slammer. It's a light prison. There are no high-power hoodlums in here. Yeah, this can's always had a lot of high-class, educated dudes. More than ever now. Today, in this once great nation of ours, there's a very slender line between making a living and fraud. But it's it's changed slightly. And one of the things they didn't like in terms of the reality of it, but I guess this is America, uh, was that they did insist on having and this is in the 70s, you know, they insisted on having the diversity of the cast. So your main character is Fletcher is Puerto Rican and then there's a black guy and a Jew and a, and a you know, and a white guy. Okay. And it's like, well, in a real prison, these guys don't mix. <laughs> they don't hang out. But yeah. I guess that's like, okay, that's what we're going to do. That's how it works. And it seems like they were, it was like, it was okay, but not good. The the writing was being complete, was being scrutinized all the time in terms of like, oh, this sounds too British. You need to make this more American and all that sort of thing, mm. even though they, they mm. were essentially the only two writers. And then in one of the later episodes, they, they, they had a problem and they're sort of very open and honest about this, that they had a problem with the lead it just wasn't charismatic enough. He, could, he couldn't carry it. And, you know. That's a hard act to follow, Ronnie Barker, sure, but yeah. he just didn't have yeah. it. And the producers said, look, we want to do something with Rita Moreno. You know, Rita Moreno, as in West Side Story. No. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. I don't, I don't know her, but go on. Well, she was famous for West Side Story, but this is about 10 years later. And they, they did like a backdoor pilot in which she came to visit and it was her, it was his cousin <laughs> or something, you know, like she came to visit. And so they right. built the episode around her with the idea that when they could then spin it off yes. as her own character. And they said yeah. she had so much charisma, like so, like yes, we want to do something with her. That was that was like this is what we need. Yeah, yeah. And then the producer said, "Well, let's just do a second series, but with Rita Marino as the lead." And they were like, "Well, it's a well, men's, how does that work? it's a men's prison." Uh, yeah, and they just kind of said, "Like, no, this isn't going to work." And I think they were offered quite a good chunk of money to do something, and they were like, "Nah, let's just go off and do something else." <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, and th- and that was all happening while they were d- still doing porridge in Britain. How would you have handled that? Uh, uh, Rita Marino becomes a, an off, a prison officer there. Hey, have you seen Oz? Rita Marino is the what is she? Is she? Oh shit! No, I haven't seen Oz. Is she the? She's like the chaplain or the therapist or something. But she's in. Okay. She's in the prison. Yeah. So yeah, just do that. Uh, some of the third series of Porridge, as in British Porridge, are kind of rehashed scripts from the American thing because they'd pulled oh, all really? these ideas together and and so they used some of those uh, in in the third series. Okay, that's interesting. But yeah, I mean, they, they've worked with some big names over the years. You know, they've worked with Michael Caine, who's in Water, Kirk Douglas, mm. uh, Richard Burton. I think they did a film with Richard Burton. They really are in, been involved in that American film scene and, and just been bubbling under making a good career for, for many years. And obviously, they're, they're well into their 80s now, so they're sure, not yeah. exactly yeah. churning work out. But they still live over there in America. They settled there. And, yeah. Seem happy enough, and they they the last the last thing I I heard an interview with them, which was only a few years ago, and they live two streets away from each other. They see each other every day. They write together every day. It's it's, it's like a bit Galton and Simpson. It's actually a very beautiful kind yeah. of thing. The yeah. relationship they have never a crossword. Yeah. <laughs> well, so interesting. I didn't know about the American version. What other spin-offs and follow-ups do we have to look at? 
So the the most obvious one was essentially series four of Porridge, which was going straight. Uh, Fletcher gets out of prison. So it's a direct sequel. I mean, if Fletcher is in prison, what happens when he gets out? It, it, it did okay at the time. It just did the one series and it just doesn't quite work. It's the same characters. Yeah. You've got Fletcher, you've got Godber. Uh, Godber is going out with Fletcher's daughter, but they set that all yeah. up in Porridge. It was completely kind of organic. That wasn't, yeah. that didn't yeah. feel forced to have him in there. And it's, what does Fletcher do once he's out? He's trying to go straight, but he's got temptations. He's got things, blah, 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 blah. He's got Nicholas Lindhurst as a dopey teenage son. <laughs> so. It is weird because I watched an episode of this and it's just missing something. I can't quite put my finger on it. Yeah. It's, 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 all, it's the same, it's the same actors that, that we like. It's the same writers. What's missing? It's just it's just missing that X factor, and I I can't place why it didn't quite work for me. Yeah, maybe it's an authority figure. Maybe it is Mackay, or mm. not necessarily Mackay, but that he needs something mm. to be bouncing off against. And I think yeah. what I found was he was much less likable. Well, there was a pro- the, the episode that I watched. There was a like a probation officer that he went to see. Oh, played by Rowena Cooper uh, out of the New Statesman. That's right. Yeah, yeah. She was more like Barrowclough than than like Mackay. She wasn't that authority figure. Mm. So yeah, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe that's what's missing, that antagonist. But also I think, you know, in prison, everything's against him. So every little victory, we're like, yeah, he won. Whereas out on the outside, there is an element of like, yeah, we'll just stop moaning and get a job kind of feel. To, like yeah. he is, I think you can get away with that where if it was like, well, I'm trying to get a job and can't get one. Nobody wants to hire an mm. ex-convict. Mm. Uh, but he, he just comes across as a lot less likable. And I think that's because he's sat yeah. at home going, oh, daughter, go and make me a dinner, will you? Like, not yeah. quite in that vibe. And perhaps in yeah. the 70s, that just didn't matter. <laughs> but I think it doesn't that wasn't, quite... Yeah, that wasn't... That didn't put you off. It doesn't quite play. Uh, another, another interesting thing, one of my first notes I made watching that was that Ronnie Barker looked a lot older. And it was only two years later. It was, it was 1978 mm. going straight. Yeah, not, but he not just looked older. And... I don't know if that was makeup or just a different way it was filmed. I, I don't know. But it, it, again, it just it didn't seem like Fletch. It just didn't seem like the same character. Mm. Yeah, it just doesn't have quite the same energy. Is not and, and, you know, maybe because he's so downtrodden in prison that you just you're rooting for him all the time. But it's it's that it's fun. It, it's a good little series and it's certainly worth watching as an addendum to, to Porridge. And there's some, you know, nice little guest appearances and stuff. Yeah, I mean, but then after that, they did the feature film in 1979. So that, again, was another year later. Mm. We've talked a lot about film spin-offs of film spin-offs. British sitcoms. They're largely pretty poor, or at least mm-hmm. a, just a rehash of old material. I think Porridge is a real exception to that. The Porridge film is written as an individual piece, and yeah. it works really well. And I think it does a really good job of expanding the world slightly i'm not saying it's a perfect film or anything but i think it does work really well i think it perhaps because dick clementine and Lee already at that point had experience writing longer format things right it's perhaps a, a testament it, to that. Uh, I, I i haven't watched it for this podcast but i think i might have seen it in the past is it is it there's an escape is that they accidentally escape yeah, I think we'll probably end up doing a little spin-off uh, episode of the podcast sure. about this. So we won't get into it too much detail here. But yeah, they set up a charity football match where some celebrities are coming to play football. And mm. genial Harry Grout is using that as an excuse to help someone escape, to get someone out. Accidentally, Fletch and Godber get drawn into it and they have to go with him and, and they have to yeah. escape. And so then 
the real trick of it is how do they get back into prison without anyone They're realizing in, that yeah. they've been gone because they don't want to get in trouble for escaping. I do remember that. It's a prison break-in film. Like, what a great idea. Yeah. Although that is only like the last 20 minutes and it, there is a little bit of an episodic feel about it. But um, okay. it, again, it, it works really nicely. And I think it would work as well if you're not familiar with the characters. They have a new young character come in that Fletcher has to help. So that, again, that helps us establish the characters and the world a little bit. Mm -hmm. Incidentally, before we move on from that, can I just mention genial Harry Grout, who's obviously like the, yeah. you know, the prison Peter Vaughan. boss. Isn't genial just a great adjective? <laughs> like, you, you could have called him horrible Harry Grout. Anything, just Harry Grout. But genial Harry Grout. There's something wonderful about that. That's really lovely. Uh, yeah, I think it's interesting that we get the likes of Grouty and Ives in the film. You know, mm -hmm. it's like they're bringing yeah. back all the Great kind states. of the, the favorite characters. Yeah. Yeah. And and Grouty, yeah, like he's a famous part of Porridge, but he's in two episodes, I think, maybe three. Yeah, he's not in it a lot. He's a presence. He's mentioned a lot. He's, he's mentioned that, before yeah. he's ever he, cast. He only, yeah. he only appears, yeah, later on in the series. Yeah. Mm. So that I think the feature film is a really good addition. Um, I think we'll we'll probably do a bit on it at some point. There was a little curiosity called Life Beyond the Box. This was made in two thousand and three, and it was they did a series of these, and this was just one of them about sitcom characters, like where are they now, kind of thing. Okay. So that's what they did with this, and it was interviewing the characters from Porridge, talking about Norman Stanley Fletcher in character. That's a, that's a lovely idea. It is. I don't know if it's that well executed. Does it not work? Um, I, lo I, I love know. the concept. But the, so they have, like, for example, McLaren, Tony Asoba, is a Scottish MP. Uh, <laughs> and, and then so they have his daughter and they have, I think it's Sam Kelly's in it. Uh, so they're talking about what he was like. And then Ronnie Barker himself kind of does a cameo right at the end. And the idea being that Fletcher has... Uh, basically, ultimately, he got a pub and he's been running this pub for 30 years. And that's how he's, mm. that's how he's made his living. And he's just had a nice, comfortable life. Uh, it's a little, it, it does feel a little bit kind of hashed together. I don't know. It doesn't quite work, but it's, an, yeah, like you say, it's mm. a nice idea. Mm. Um, there was a stage show in 2009. Please tell me it wasn't a musical. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It wasn't, no. Okay. But it was kind of hatched. I think it was hashed together with like bits and pieces of other script. I don't think it was an original script. Okay. Do you know who they got to play uh, Fletcher? What, the year 2009? Yeah. Oh, I know, I'm never going to guess, am I? Go on. Well, I'll tell Not you... Paul Whitehouse. <laughs> <laughs> well, who they wanted and who they were... Who I, I believe was in talks to do it, or perhaps was in talks to do a remake or something. Peter Kay. I, I can see that. And, I mean, I, I, yeah, can't I, I can see... see I can, it, the problem with Peter Kay is that he's Peter Kay, and he's very it would be very difficult to subsume himself into Fletcher, as we've talked about Ronnie Barker being a great actor. Yeah, I... But what I, what I can see is... A casting director thinking, yes, Peter Kay. But I also think Peter Kay wanted to do it um, and yeah. had uh, has openly acknowledged how much of a, a influence Ronnie Barker is and, and Porridge yeah. particularly. And I, I just happened to watch recently, you know, the uh, Max and Paddy's Road to Nowhere. I watched that and there's a couple right. of episodes in that where they're in prison. And it made me think of it then. But then it made me think, oh, yeah, you would have, like, Paddy McGuinness as Godburn. It would be terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, yeah. But I think Peter Kay would D actually... Dave Spikey as Mr. Barraclay. <laughs> <you know, like. laughs> 
<laughs> but I do think Peter Kay would actually make a really great job of that character. I, I genuinely do. Did you ever see the um, Peter Kay in the the Danny Baker sitcom? I can't remember what it was called. It was I've only seen Danny a Baker's of clips, sort yeah. of autobiographical. I, I really enjoyed that, and I thought Peter Kay was excellent in it. Yeah. Well, in the play, two thousand nine, the person who played Fletcher was uh, Barry from EastEnders. Barry from EastEnders. Yeah. Off of Extras. Yes, exactly. Right off the back of Extras. That would have been a couple of years later, wouldn't it? Yeah, that's good. Any, any, how, were the, how were the reviews? I think it was fairly well received, but not kind of, it didn't, obviously didn't blow anyone away. They, they did a bit of a tour and, and that was about it, I think. And then the, the sort of the, another major thing they did was in 2016, remember we had a, there was a bit of a spur of rebooting some sitcoms. They did a, a Are You Being Served? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, John Chalice was was in it mm. playing Captain Peacock, and they did a they did one for Porridge, but it wasn't a remake. Mm. the The writers decided that they didn't want it to. I, do can, I can't even let you get to the end of the sentence <laughs> because I watched an episode of this because you sent it to me, and it's god awful. Yeah, well, I watched all of it, so. <laughs> oh, but yes, they did. They did it just as a one off, but that was popular enough to get a series, apparently. Okay. But yes, it is written by Dick Clement and Ian Lafrenet, and it's all new right. material. It's not a reboot. It's not a remake. It's a, a reboot. The character no. that we're following is Norman Fletcher's grandson. So he's called Fletcher. Yeah. And he's in a prison in 2017. He's so in for some cyber crime, unspecified cyber crime, isn't he? Which is not proper crime. He's a good bloke. Well, that's the partly the problem. He's a hacker. And the part of the problem is that this was written by two men who at the time were 80 years old. <laughs> I'm not saying anything about, you know, the older generation, but they're not famed for their knowledge of computers. He done some cyber crimes. <laughs> there's, a, there's, a, there's something where he manages to, like, hack a Wi-Fi system with a Pringles tube. And I, I, <laughs> it, it is deliberately vague, and I'm just curious if there's some sort of basis in reality for it where he just sort of catches a Wi-Fi. I don't, but it seems very, I don't know. Do you that? I don't Do you know that Mitchell and Webb sketch where they <laughs> that Mitchell and Webb sketch where they um they have like bad writers doing a medical yes. drama. <laughs> oh, his pumpy things all gone. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I watched all of the 2017 uh, reboot of Good for You of uh, Porridge, and it's frustrating because there is some nice writing there. There's some nice stuff. I think that the actors who play Mackay and Barraclough or whatever the equivalents are, they're not the same mm-hmm. characters. They're called, they're called like Maclay and Barraclough. They might as well be. Mark, bon- Mark Bono plays Mr. Meeky. Meeky, that's it. Instead of Mr. Mackay. And he is doing a, an impression. Well, I think they did quite a nice job of not quite trying to do exactly the same, I, but I, with the I, same... I, no, I think Mark Bonner's the inference. exception. To I quite like Mark Bonner. I've seen him in a few things. I think he's a good actor. But I didn't, I, you know, he was he was doing a bad Fulton Mackay impression. It's a tough one. That's a tough one to try and do. And, you disagree? Uh, I think he did it. I think it was okay in that there was enough there that he's just bringing his own thing to it. But yeah, the, overall the series doesn't work. I, I And I have to say that the, the main problem is Kevin Bishop, who is playing mm. the Fletcher character. Mm. And Kevin Bishop has this really serious problem in that he is a terrible actor, Yeah. first of all. But secondly, he's just really just slappable. You just as soon as you see him, you yeah. you, you hate like him. him. Yeah, so he's, he's not likable. Like he's the opposite at all. of charismatic. Exactly, and I, I've seen Kevin Bishop in other things, and I've he's always just easily hateable. Um, and I guess you have to play villains if you've got that. You have to play the bad guy because you can't, you can't, you just can't do it. 
And and that is a real problem. And one of the, the real main thing that I took away from it was just how he he is not an actor. He is a comedian and he yeah. cannot hit these moments. He's got, got the timing. He's not got the inflections. Yeah. I'll tell you what he does do well. And he is an impressionist. Let's not forget Kevin Bishop. That is basically what he is. Yeah. I think he does a really good job of having all the inflections and little moments that Ronnie Barker has, but without it feeling like he's doing an impression. But little looks, the little mouth movements and things, he does that really okay. well. Yoga! Fletcher? That's right, Mr. Meeky. It's all the rage inside. I bet you've noticed a big drop off of Agro and Mayhem. <laughs> I've never noticed you doing it. Oh, yeah. I do it all the time. Don't want dog! I beg your pardon? Basic yoga move, Fletcher. Downward dog. So I've got notes here that I wrote. I watched episode five of that series. These are three consecutive bullet points. Kevin Bishop is bad. Bad. <laughs> he is not Ronnie Barker. <laughs> yeah. And that, that's basically my takeaway from the whole thing. Yeah, he's really... <laughs> The weak link, but he's also... I've got other notes, but they all basically are variations of those three things. But when when your weak link is the biggest link in the entire thing, like mm-hmm. that is a problem. Well, the episode that I watched, Phil Cornwall was in it, doing that impression that he does. And um, <laughs> I mean, it's only a shame that John Sessions wasn't there to do that impression. Do you know what? I actually really but... liked Phil Cornwall in that. He's playing that old rocker character. <laughs> he's playing a sort of you know, Led Zeppelin type rocker, isn't he? Yeah. But, you know, I'm being unfair. I liked he, it. He, he is pretty good in that. But there's a scene where he is... Basically, Phil Cornwall's on the roof threatening to jump mm. and Fletcher has to go and talk him down which we saw that is a complete lift of a plot where McLaren's on the roof mm. in, in the original porridge and Fletcher goes and talks him down although in in the original porridge it's all a bit of a it's a setup job to get them both you know yeah. he gets to go into the infirmary and he gets he gets uh, special privileges for talking him down mm-hmm. but um, I, I went back and watched the other episode and looked at them side by side and they were very similar that's a lovely little guest appearance by Phil Cornwall, though. I, I really like that. I think some of the acting is nice. Some of it's just very mediocre. Mm. Uh, no, I, I listen. I, I, you're not going to you're not going to turn me around on this. I thought it was really bad. <laughs> and, and like you said, the, the the weakest link is the the, the biggest link. Yeah. My favorite bit was Dave Hill, uh, who plays Joe Lotterby. So. First of all, yeah. little fact, Dave Hill is in one episode of Going Straight. He's, he's uh, in Going Straight. Yes. Yeah, but just going completely straight. unrelated, just same actor. But the character's called Joe Lotterby. The director um, and producer of Porridge was Sidney Lotterby. That's a little nod to, okay. to him. Uh, and, and very much a mentor to Dick Clement, particularly, I think, Sidney Lotterby. I think I he, he brought them in with the Likely Lads and everything. But that character is like the guy who's in his 70s, has been in for years, and he's the old hand. And that character feels the most real and genuine. Again, reminder, the writers were 79, 80 years old when this mm-hmm. was made. So I think that yes, says yes. a lot, that that character is the one that jumped out to me as being the realist. Yeah, I, 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 I'm not sure I would go quite so far as to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Is he the aged Fletcher? Streetwise cynical lag who's still there? Um, to, to some extent, I, yeah, I, I, I know what you're saying. I wouldn't quite go that far. But yeah, he's the no. one who's the old hand and he's going to just keep his nose clean. And obviously Fletcher's yeah. doing that as well. He get, But he gets drawn into what, you know, the equivalent of Young Grouty Fletcher. is, um, you know, dra- draws him into some... Mm-hmm. some uh, dodgy business that he doesn't want to be part of. And we, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about the quality of the sets on mm-hmm. Porridge. Oh. The set, the, the, yeah, the sets in 
the new part, the newer version were really bad. Yeah, it looked like the first series of Red Dwarf. It looked <laughs> like they'd been hand painted, you know, <laughs> yeah. by kids. Oh, battleship grey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. So that was a bit of a disappointment, I must admit. <clears throat> but I, I, I still think some of the writing is solid. But it's just, it's just ruined by Kevin Bishop. But you know. Yeah. All right, that's enough about the 2017 version of Porridge, which, which, well, I think was dreadful. Let's go back and summarize the original. Which I, you know, at the risk of repeating myself, I, I thought was great. It's sublime. Uh, it, it is a, a worthy classic. If you haven't watched it for a long, for a while, I would really recommend. It's all on the iPlayer. You can go back and watch it all from start to finish, and it's it's worth your time. Fletcher as a character is sympathetic, despite being a bad guy on paper. That charisma is so important. But the strength of the show is that is the characters and. And just we like being, we like spending time with them, you know. Both Fletcher and Godber, you like spending time with them, and that's I think that's worth a lot more than laugh out loud gags. But there are gags. There there are funny gags. There are funny lines. There's funny business, and the writing's just brilliant. Mm. I think it's I think it's a great sitcom. I, I I agree. Yeah, I think we've said this before. For me, it always comes down to writing and casting. Uh, I think mm-hmm. if you nail those, you you're on. And this is perfectly cast right down to all those supporting characters and quite a lot of supporting characters that they don't feel the need to overuse which i would say let's say the later stuff on only fools and horses where it's like okay boise has to have a scene trigger has to have a scene like they're not worried about that they'll use them if they need them and the script is is right there as well on a more personal level i i really like in in my entertainment in general in film tv whatever I really like reality. I like kind of social realism. And so this really leans into that. Uh, So I think that's why this really pumps out to me as a personal favorite, as well as, you know, overall a good sitcom. And yeah, I definitely, if I was going to put together my top three sitcoms, this would be Mm. right up. They'd be vying for number one. I would have to come up with a good argument to not make Mm. it number one. I agree. I agree. Uh, you know, it's one of those, like I say, it's a classic. And, you know, if you make a list of your top 10, you're probably going to put this on there. But I have to admit, I, I haven't seen Porridge for, I don't know, 15 or 20 years. So, I, I you know, I, I would say, yeah, it's a great sitcom. Yeah, it's a great sitcom. Of course it is. Of course it is. But yeah, how much did I mean that? But having watched it again, I, yeah, no doubt. Mm. No doubt. Great. Well, I think that's, that's us done for now. Thank you for listening. What's our socials, Gareth? Can you remember? Yeah. So if you would like to uh, follow us on Twitter, we are at BritcomPod. And indeed on Instagram, the same name, at BritcomPod. Uh, or if you go onto Facebook and search for British Sitcom History Podcast, you'll find us there. And we, uh, we post some interesting, fun stuff on there. Mm. We, try to like, we like to think we're influencers. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you very much for listening and come back next time. Where we go, we're going for something even older, I think. Even older. Shall we much. reveal? Are we sure what it is? <laughs> I can't really remember. No, I can't, I can't remember what it is. I, thought we, <laughs> I think we're going to do the army game next, but I'm not, okay. I'm not 100% sure what order. Well, we're let's, not, let's not say that then, because I can't remember what order we're doing. <laughs> yeah.